an inner view with the Rian Gallagher. Beautiful. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, all right. Hello there. Um, and welcome to episode uh, 16 of an interview podcast. Um, I made sure I actually had the, the number before I came on this time, rather than uh, trying to guess at one's pr- prior and previous. Um, yeah, I've been for a walk, um, which I think is about one of the only many joys you can kind of do during COVID 3.0. Um, I spoke to someone uh, during the week who said that it was getting repetitively endless. And I think that's a very nice way of summing up what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I, I also spoke to a mate last night in, in Australia. Um, and they're out of a lockdown and they're um, going kind of normal, well not normal, but you know, they're kind of getting things back on their feet. But they're quite, a, they had a really kind of strict lockdown where they couldn't, they couldn't move like five kilometres in their, you know, from their, from their home. Otherwise they'd get questioned by the police and it was, so yeah, it's just, you know, when you, when you hear of it being dealt that way and then you see the debacle that's happened, um, the way that the UK have dealt with it does give you serious doubts uh, about whether it was handled in the best possible way. Um, you know, I know there's arguments on both sides with regards to the economy and what would be worse. You know, people losing their jobs and homes or carrying on going. And, uh, yeah. So it's a yeah, a very a very convoluted argument. But yeah, to hear how someone else and you know, there's you know, I think he's, I think he said that Australia are in their first recession for ages. So there's definite you know effects from it, but. Yeah, they've managed to save lives over there, whereas we've saved our economy. And maybe not that well. Yeah, lots of stuff to think about. Anyway, um, this podcast um, is with a guy called Matt Crunch. And uh, we met uh, when I cycled New Zealand. Um, we just met, you know, we were doing the same kind of um, cycle path. And we exchanged numbers and said later down the line if we managed to meet up, and we did. And we spent, I think it was like... I think it was maybe a week or two weeks um, cycling with Matt. And, you know, New Zealand in itself is just, you know, the, the, bit, the, bit, the bit we were doing, the kind of southern bit of the South Island, is just beautiful. Um, you know, really special, really secluded, very cold. Um, but yeah, you know, to, to cycle it with Matt uh, and, you know, to finish up within a day and just, you know, have lovely conversations and chats. And yeah, he's just a yeah, really, really beautiful man um, who... Uh, just truly practice what he preaches, you know. Um, you know, he's very much about doing it through experience, and yeah, I think that's kind of vital um, in sort of understanding and being able to then come out the other side and and, and share his experiences. So, um, yeah, his sincerity and his genuineness really comes across. And uh, yeah, um, I was on my kind of last little venture when I was um, cycling through France and got to northern Spain. 
um, he sort of mentioned that he was uh, in the country in France and very kindly um, let me come round and we spent a couple of days together and just, yeah, went mushroom picking and made some food and just, you know, yeah, just had a really lovely time. So uh, he was very, very uh, kind enough to agree to do a podcast. Um, and yeah, we, uh, it's a wide ranger. It's a wide ranger. You know, we go down the road, saw all this permaculture, Buddhism, you know, it's a very, very rich, dense conversation. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, just, just, just massive thank you for, for agreeing to do so. Um, very, very much appreciated. Um, yeah, I think I'll let you dive straight into it really. Um, the, the music is going to be by, it's by a French fan, French band called Fauvre. F-A-U-V-E, I've probably pronounced that wrong. Um, and the song is going to be Infermé. I was really torn between that and they've got another song called Blizzard, which is a, yeah, a tune. But I don't know, this one, yeah, Matt was playing this one quite a bit. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful... They kind of remind me of like a cross between like the XX and the Streets, but kind of a French version. Um, I really hope you enjoy them. Uh, and I really hope you enjoy our conversation. And yeah, I just hope you're doing okay in this uh, in this COVID world. Fingers crossed we'll be out of this soon and spring will be to come. Uh, lots of love. Take care of yourself. And it's happening. Merci, Mathieu, d'un coup. Je me suis senti seul, triste et fatigué. J'y arrive pas sans toi. J'arrive plus à encaisser. Comment est-ce que ça va se finir Comment est-ce que je vais faire J'ai besoin de toi comme d'une infirmière. Que tu répares ma tête et mes sentiments qui fonctionnent plus bien. Que tu refasses mes stocks de sérotonine. Que tu me dises que c'est rien. J'ai compris que tu voulais pas de moi pour l'instant. Mais je me force à croire qu'avec du temps, tu changes ta vie. Et dans la nuit, je rêve encore que tu m'emmènes danser. Jusqu'au matin, sur la musique, on va, on vient, on s'éloigne et on revient. Puis tu t'élances et je te tiens, je te retiens du bout des doigts pour te ramener contre moi. Sur la musique, on va, on vient, corps contre corps, main dans la main. Plus rien n'existe, plus rien de rien quand je te tiens du bout des doigts pour te ramener contre moi. C'est bon. C'est bon. C'est bon. Hear yourself, right? Yeah, I think so. Fabulous. I'm trying to think if no, because it's amplified, so it should be okay. We can adjust as we go. Matthew, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for coming on. Having this, having this podcast thrust in your face. <laughs> just expecting a nice lovely me just have a nice lovely time and then and then he drops the podcast bomb yeah <laughs> well well i feel honored to uh have been offered to be invited yeah oh, there we go there we go that's yeah, the line that's, that's the say. line yeah. that's the line um yeah we're sitting here in france in a little place called do you want to do the French section? Veline. Veline. Veline, yes. Veline, which is in the We're in the Dordogne. We're on the border of the Dordogne and the Gironde. Wow. Um wine region basically. Mm. And it's it just just each even yeah, because I got I got the train here from I got from Poitiers to Libourne and then mm-hmm. Got the wrong train, <laughs> and then had to come back to Leibon. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, you made it. We we we, we got there. 
but even but even taking that walk up you know just to, just to where we're staying now I mean, uh-huh. it's a beautiful beautiful uh, you know region yeah. place and views and yeah 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 mm. so like we're basically where the train drops us off is in the valley of the Dordogne river so and then we've just walked straight up the the um well, up the hill that comes up onto uh, onto the top of the hill, which is these limestone. Everywhere around here is limestone, so we're on a kind of plateau, mm. and uh, that is the secret of the Bordeaux wine. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, yeah. Is that in the in the soil? soil? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, limestone's got this like amazing thing that it's uh, it's. Uh, what can, how can I say? It's 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 kind of like a sponge, so it, it sucks up the water, and then even when the water level is really really low, it can feed it all the way. And the vines have this incredible capacity to pump uh, water. They can actually pump water from the soil, which is held at a pressure of the same pressure as your tires, if, not, if that makes sense. Like inverse okay. pressure of your tires, they suck it up, and so they can suck it even when it's all like there's almost nothing there. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's a little bit, a little bit of wine fact for you. Exactly, a little bit of wine fact. Mm. So is that so is that is that why it tastes so? I don't know, so good or so is it or is it just that's just part of the process? I don't know. Um, well, to make good wine, basically, you have to have these. It's it's, it's to have the right balance between, um, in with your vines growing, the right balance between having the vegetative growth, so that's the leaves, and then the fruiting, which is the fruit. So if you have too much uh, vegetative growth, so that's and that happens if you've got too much too rich a soil, so too much water, too much nitrogen, anything like that, then it, you're just going to get loads and loads of leaves and very little uh, grapes, and the grapes won't make uh, make it to maturity. So if you, that's why they say you have to have like um, stress the vine a little bit. Okay. And that's why, our, uh, and so on these soils we have quite thin topsoil, so there's not a lot of water and not a lot of nutrients in there coming straight down onto this uh, limestone and so in the summertime uh the vines get ni- li- like nice and stressed and so they stop their vegetative growth and all of the energy that's going into that's coming from the photosynthesis is then going straight into the into the grapes and making nice sweet juicy grapes which mm. turn which can be turned into wine oh you're uh you're you're you're, you're quite you're quite in on that whole soil thing, innit? Yeah, well, actually, I studied my my first, uh, well, my first, I, I studied biology and then I studied uh, enology, so winemaking. Okay. When I came over to France. So, uh, part of that, and that, in fact, it was a small part of it in the, in the, in the, in the winemaking course, but an integral part of it, because when we talk in wine, they talk a lot about terroir and all this kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know if you know that word, but anyway, terroir no, is sounds just, lovely. But no. yeah, it's <laughs> it's a very posh, fancy word for saying just like what goes into making the wine, and okay. it's the specificity, like what makes a wine from one place not taste like a wine from another place, you know. Okay. And the soil, of course, is like a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I moved away from wine for various reasons, and uh, more towards, well, let's call it just permaculture yeah market gardening uh i'd love to know more about like uh growing fruit trees as well i'm kind of learning as well Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean i mean you can start anywhere but 
a good start is the soil. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so if and it's probably one of the most complex things. It's one of the things we can't see at all, and so um, and I think for me that's what makes it so fascinating. Yeah, right. Yeah. What's um? How would you? How would you describe or d- define? permaculture for someone who's got no idea what it is or or, or or what the term is if they're hearing it for the first time yeah also just hold, just hold the mic just there oh yeah okay so it's off the, all right um permaculture uh means a lot of things to a lot of people so i'm i think it's actually really nice that everyone can kind of make of it what they want as well but for someone who has never heard the term at all I would uh, describe it as a, mm. it's a design system for creating um, resilient uh, landscapes or or systems themselves. So it can be used on a farm scale, it can be used on a garden scale, it can be used on a personal level um, uh, within a company or within a, uh, within a town. Um, but the idea is uh, it's based on uh, a, f- a set of ethics to start with. So that's uh, taking care of the land, taking care of the people, and taking just the fair share. So kind of uh, giving back the surplus, as it were. And uh, it's um, very much based on good sense, a lot of kind of old knowledge. Um, it does. It, it does seem like it's it's almost been forgotten but it's been rediscovered yeah i think so i said in fact on on my travels uh a lot of the places that i've been to in fact the ones which did it the best uh they were the ones who said no no we don't do permaculture (laughs) we don't do permaculture here and it's like but 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 you know like i can see you've got the zones and you've got the the design principles and everything like that and in fact no they're just doing it you know they're just doing it and they're often you know um yeah yeah just doing it out of their hearts and stuff like that so it is a lot of things that have been forgotten yeah for sure mm. yeah and is, is it does it is it does it stand for permanent agriculture yeah permanent agriculture it was um bill mollison and um who was the other chap david holmgren who founded i think it was probably back in the 70s uh, they're Australian and uh, yeah, permaculture. I think they came up with the idea and they're like, and it just sounds like a cool, cool word anyway. <laughs> uh, it's funny because uh, I've also come from a bit of a Buddhist background. And so they, when Buddhism, we talk a lot about impermanence. So the uh, fact that nothing is permanent, nothing lasts forever, everything is in constant state of change. And so a lot often they're like, well, I don't get it. What's permanent? Anything. But yeah, there were, I think initially it was from permanent agriculture. The idea being that it's not permanent because nothing is permanent, but uh, something that is can actually last, that d- isn't degrading the soil, that isn't degrading, uh, very input heavy. Uh, and so in that sense, yes, it will last. And then they also ha- uh, realized that there was a second, um, a second aspect to that, which is permanent culture. So because actually uh, something, uh, if if we're going to try to change our habits, the way we do things, 
uh, it can't just happen through, it can't just go through the change in, in techniques, it also has to go through the change in culture, so the way that we, we work together, the way we see things, the way that, w what, what our values are, etc. Mm. So I think they, yeah, those are the two kind of um, roots of that word, yeah, culture. And what's the what's the kind of the the relationship or, or the difference to agriculture? Because obviously, because obviously we're we're in 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 an agricultural society, and yeah. and that's been yeah programmed for a long time. That's um, a that's an interesting question. That's a good question. Um, it's quite complex because uh, I don't want to just give us a little Trump slogan. Come yeah, on, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, um, make uh, it simple. <laughs> Um, no, like, I mean, without, I don't, definitely don't want to, um, kind of, uh, d to talk badly about any farmers, uh, in their own right, because I know that everybody's doing the best they can with yeah. what they, with what they've been given and the situation that they're in. Um, but I think it's not that controversial to say that since, well, maybe 1950s and a little bit earlier as well uh agriculture certainly since mechanization and probably even before that um has been a very extractive and uh, destructive uh practice and certainly since the 1950s where we had the green revolution uh chemical chemical um uh fertilizers um obviously chemical pesticides, uh, fungicides, all that kind of stuff. And then bigger and bigger and bigger tractors, which are plowing more and more and more. Um, we have created a system now where we've got, we've degraded soils enormously, enormously. And this is, I mean, it's it's a huge issue. We, we Our capital, our agricultural capital is actually in our soil. The, the life the 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 quality of life in the soil is what allows us to live okay um because we can talk about that maybe a bit later but uh um and we've been we've been plowing that and destroying that in so many ways in over the last 50 60 70 years and so permaculture it, it's it offers techniques it offers a different way to look at agriculture uh it looks at a way that perhaps we can find and 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 it it's not perfect and there is no single way of doing it but it is of trying to of trying to come reverse that trend and instead of destroying soil we can we want to be building soil uh instead of destroying habitat we can create habitat instead of working against nature or using nature somewhat for our own means, like subjugating it for in order to you know for for our own kind of productive ends, working with nature to realize that we need to be part of that balance, mm. and we might not get the enormous yields that we've seen, the huge enormous yields that we've seen, but we will certainly. I say certainly, but I hopefully. Uh, find find a, a more kind of harmonious and and just uh, ecological sustainable way of of, of producing food it, it 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 sounds like from from what you've described to me over the past couple of days and from what i've researched it it it, it sounds like it's a very integrative um kind of 
method or way of, of, of producing food. It's more it's, it's more how do things work? What ra- rather than picking them against each other, what can what can that plant do with that plant? And Definitely. can that add something to that and yeah overall health and, and yeah well we talk a lot about i mean it's quite a, quite a buzzword like holistic like holistic health holistic this and that but we're creating like a, a holistic system so um realizing that well we're all part of we ourselves are part of of of, of this greater system in intimately interconnected with uh, whether you are living in the city and just buying your food or whether you're a farmer or whether you know your part whether it's we're talking about where does the seeds come from where how is it grown where what is the soil the earthworms the uh the trees around the birds which uh can be also well and, and all the different and all the different pests we call them pests because uh that's from our point of view but uh they're also part of the system and um rather than trying to create a, a what i would say our, our, our current um, model uh kind of industrial model uh which is a very very linear kind of chain of uh where you have some inputs and you get an output and then you extract that and you sell that and produce that and then it's it's a linear chain you see we're trying to create permaculture what it's trying to do is create uh more of a, a web a system uh where you know the like we close that loop and also realize that there are many other parts of it which are probably can't be even be controlled as um and and but we we try and integrate all of those different things and um and in doing that uh sometimes it creates something quite beautiful yeah okay yeah mm. What are some what are some sites you've worked on or you, you've been a part of over the course of your period of time in permaculture that that you can look back and go oh that was a yeah well I mean I've been through different lots of different places um and I and I, and I couldn't wouldn't say that any of them are perfect by you know by any by any means that there's some which are um, small families like a, a on a family scale so kind of homesteading uh, kind of thing uh and then uh two years ago i worked a season with a woman uh a, f- a couple who uh are running a kind of market garden but she's also um uh she's integrating trees into that so um uh and then bushes and she also does herbal medicine she's a herbalist so uh within there you've got all different types of plants which are attracting insect beneficial insects and um but also can be used for different herbal um different medicinal uses mm-hmm. um you know she's got like rose bushes which is you know it's just lovely to be working in the garden and and yeah. you know you really feel like you're in a garden rather than some kind of a productive farm kind of place <laughs> um she also uh has animals and uh i think animals are really um uh, important part of the system she's a vegetarian but um chickens uh which she produces eggs for for sale for the market but they also and in in return the chickens are also producing um manure which she then will compost and use for the market garden um they've got quite a lot of land so they've got um goats and uh goats and sheep 
which uh, they don't uh, use for it for, for, for meat or anything, but they help to kind of keep the, the grass down and uh, keep the place clear. And again, in return, they're producing, um, they're producing uh, manure, but they're also just part of the family as well. You yeah. know? And, and, uh, and this is one of the really beautiful things and where I think permaculture sometimes um, has that kind of un beauty that can't you can't account for you can't put in in a in an accounting uh list of uh ins and outs but uh uh because she's got these animals just so many people love to come and then eventually there was a school group that wanted to come and now she's turned into an educational farm oh wow yeah that's really <laughs> so that's another input which you can actually account for and she's being paid for these visits that she's doing and oh, uh, lovely yeah yeah. It's quite a. It's quite a. We 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 spoke just uh, over food about the the impact of animals in permaculture or, or 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 just in any kind of and and the and the kind of ethical, um, the ethical standpoint of some people. You know, if if they're vegan or they mm. or they believe animals shouldn't be, but but mm. but but you think it's you think it's an integral part of or 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 it can be. Well, I mean, I stand to be corrected. I really, um, I, because it's it's so tough. But um, and and really, I don't think you can really pronounce one way or another until you've done something, tried it, and if it works, then great. But if it doesn't work, you know. Then, but um, I think uh, a sis, a farm's a farm. Let's take a farm. Uh, has always been um, uh, in in France anyway, and I think in in the UK, although that's. It's probably a long time ago what they, they would call like a polyculture and um animal husbandry and uh so poly polyculture would be um having cereals grains um so corn um wheat that kind of thing barley etc um and then maybe some vegetables as well usually on a smaller kind of scale for the family but then to sell the excess and then the animals would also be part, like, part, an integral part of the system, often grazing on the areas which are harder to grow um, other things on. And they're there and they're conf essentially converting um, non-edible food for us humans, um, grasses and uh, other kind of forage, um, into, into, into calories, into proteins and stuff. And at the same time, um, offering uh, and providing their manure and uh, and sometimes also energy in this in terms of in terms of whether it be plowing or you know um, and it's hard to envisage a system which does not include animals or fossil fuels you were you were you were saying that was the that was the kind of the the trade-off wasn't it if yeah you don't have animals in there then yeah and th so there are there, there then it's then it's a tractor and there are people who are doing in the uk uh stock free um market gardening i think is um i think if i maybe ian tolhurst uh and probably a few others um and but they are producing basically their compost uh instead of um, using manure and stuff like that they are um, producing compost through um 
mowing uh, big areas and then and then gathering that uh, grass etc and composting that down and then uh, being able to put that onto their onto their vegetables so without animals uh there um it could be quite difficult um i don't know i would i i I'd love to see a system and maybe and I'd, I, and where perhaps you know you could have an animal sanctuary or it could be um there are a lot of market gardeners benefit a lot from horse riding stables mm. um if you're vegetarian not vegan then then uh chickens are a fantastic source of uh of um of uh manure and uh and of course uh, eggs etc which is a great source of protein um so it's um it, it it's certainly it's certainly possible but uh there's there, there's definitely if we've got to see what the reality of it is and yeah. um um and and i think that yeah I'm, I'm trying I, i'm being re- i want to be really careful because i know this is also quite a kind of emotionally loaded topic sometimes mm-hmm. um i think i think i think i think i I think i said something um over dinner whereby it's like it's 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 not as if the animals are being enslaved they're not mm-hmm. they're they're not being whipped and forced to to like to like do you know to plow fields like donkeys were back mm. in you know the the victorian times or whatever mm. you know what i mean they're they're mm. they're a part of this of this system this symbiosis that works with yeah. you know the 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 kind of recycling of 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 food and manure and and yeah i would think and uh, certainly and, and but i would say for anyone like who who's you, just come out and have a look you know right. i think it's brilliant for people to come out and see and come with open an open mind and see like you know how how is it being done for anyone who especially whether vegan or non-vegan vegetarian etc come and come and see how your food's being produced spend a bit of time woofing or something you know it's it's a wonderful experience as well and it connects you to what you where your food is coming from and then you can really uh have uh an opinion about uh or, or at least form a, a more fully for full, full opinion on the I mean, for example, you talked about donkeys, you know, being whipped to to plow. But I I've worked with donkeys um, uh, and animal animal plowing uh, on small market gardens, and you know, like a like a dog, like a, like dogs, you know, our pet dogs, you know, they just want to, you know, they, they want to do it, you know, they mm. they lo- he loves it when he gets when he gets his uh, when he gets all harnessed up and everything like that. And I've told this story to some kind of people and they've been like, oh no, I mean, he's, 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 it's not possible. Come and have a look. Come and have a look and see. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. It's a bit <laughs> like when when, uh, when 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 we were at the horse uh, the horse place in Australia and the, the like moment the horses got their got their stuff on to go riding, mm. I mean, you, you could literally see they were just excited. Here they we were go, ready. Yeah. Oh, okay, let's go. Yeah. And it's, just, it's the same with donkeys, yeah. Same with when, when they're doing their... Mm. Mm, okay. Wow. Yeah. And it's it's it, it, it's something you said before. It's 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 about having, or about trying to establish a connection back to the food and where yeah. your food comes from and how it's produced. And you, we 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 spoke before about the about you know even even something that sounds good like being being organic. Yeah, it might not necessarily you know it might it might it, it might have that organic status or that bio status. But yeah. actually, what you, you said something before about how it was. Well, yeah. Well, I'm. I don't. Again, like you don't want to um, to 
to denigrate like uh, producers and everyone again is doing their best but there is certainly organic and organic and uh, I think in the UK they've got there's a label which is for the Soil Association uh, which I think guarantees a little bit better kind of conditions but I'm not so sure about that um, in the organic kind of uh, regulations essentially what what they've done is just taken away the possibilities use chemical fertilizers and chemical pesticides um but there's no kind of stipulation to try to create a balance through the ecosystem or working to create healthy living soil or anything like this um you've it's it's literally just a, a subtractive thing you can't do that but um as a result a lot of and especially the industrial kind of organics stuff that you will find in the supermarket um invariably unfortunately uh is uh so they've taken away the uh the chemical fertilizer and they've added organic fertilizer but it's uh basically pellets um which are from various different sources whether it be from uh dried pelleted um uh manure or it might be rock rock or phosphorus instead of uh chemically um produced for phosphorus or it might be uh, um yeah different residues from cultures but it's it's a very 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 input heavy and uh the same for the the um the pest uh, pesticides i mean there the a lot of pesticides are actually used um but they're plant-based so they're extracted from plants rather than being again like a synthetically produced synthetically created um so again you know spraying rather than trying to find um uh, a way of, of of creating a natural balance between the pests and their predators and uh which means also creating space for both um you know a bit of uh, a bit of habitat etc uh when the pests turn up well you get out the um the organic uh pesticide and spray it down and they're very then they're, they're not uh specific it's going to kill everything there and so you know we're, we're in the same kind of the same kind of mindset the same mentality of uh basically controlling what we're doing in order to make a product a, pr a produce and um yeah submitting sub trying to basically make the the land submit to our will here we do it the same uh, in in uh, when we're trying to work a bit more holistically, but there's a bit more give and take. In fact, a lot more give and take. I think I I think I read somewhere once that if you've got a, a if there's a certain pest problem, it's not you've got the pest problem; it's that you've got a duck deficiency. Yeah, that was that was Bill Mollison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, slug, you haven't got a slug problem; you've got a duck deficiency. So yeah, permaculture does kind of uh, take it from that point of view. Yeah, like you've got a duck deficiency. And, I like that rather than rather, rather than trying to attack the such and such. Just like okay, now what can, what can actually work with that to maybe help right, out the right exactly. And then you get to that point, especially when you kind of like okay, if there's a duck deficiency, but then you know like uh, you, and you start to see the complexity of the whole system and that's and and so rather than trying to kind of tweak things you know like i need a few ducks and then and you get if if when it's done really well when it's done really beautifully it's of of course you put in a few elements maybe um for example hedges or hedgerows you know which are amazing habitat for all kinds of animals birds hedgehogs um all types of beneficial insects all that kind of thing 
um and then you know integrating uh water spaces or maybe ponds or whatever so then you've got your frogs and uh and and then all the things that are living in there including all the different uh insect life and the, the fish which might be swimming underneath so now we've got a whole uh, uh water system mm. uh then of course like there's the the man the man made uh well, the stuff that we design a little bit more farm integrated so the different plants associations of plants together um we know that there are some plants which attract beneficials there are some which repel the uh the pests so, and then associate like putting them all together not put, not growing too much of one single thing um and if i mean it's it goes it gets on and on and on and then of course and that's without even looking at the soil itself i was i was going to want why is why is soil why is the soil so important and what why why, why is the soil health so, so such a vital thing well um so i think essentially the way that modern agriculture has been treating the soil is basically as a substrate so it's it's the substrate within which we add a bit of nitrogen phosphorus potassium a few other like small elements which are going to feed directly the plant and then and 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 then we'll harvest that and that's you know that's done it's not much different from uh from doing uh, aquaponics you know just feeding it straight into water and just injecting like a few kind of uh elements etc uh and then when the soil compacts because uh there's no life in it and naturally like a, a, a dead soil just has this tendency to compact well we just plow it up you know through using mechanical means but um a healthy soil so a healthy soil is one which um well, has life in it starting with uh the earthworm which is just all, all different types of earthworms because there's many different species um and earthworms are just fantastic incredible they take the dead um the dead matter so whether it, that be residues from the last uh crop or if you want if you're adding compost or uh, wood chips or mulch or anything like this they will take that and they and they they will they're the first kind of line in the degradation they will eat it up and and uh and bring it down into the ground and using that and with their ga the galleries the little holes that they produce they're they're producing they're actually creating that fine tilth um of the soil so the porosity which uh, will allow the water to drain, will allow the air to get in, oh, wow. and then they they themselves are feeding uh, f through their dejections. They're feeding the microorganisms, especially the bacteria, and the bacteria themselves uh, in a healthy soil again uh, have a often have bacteria and fungi, and fungi are more um, are there also doing incredible things <laughs> um but are create are, are also creating these symbiotic relationships with your plants and so in a healthy soil um in a dead soil this um w we can often have blockages of diff many different elements because whilst the element is technically in the soil if you did a soil test uh, an analysis you could see like oh i've got enough of this element why is my plant not growing why is it showing signs of a deficiency well because it's blocked it, it's it, it's not actually available for the root to uptake okay um for one reason or another but the bacteria the whole living life uh, the life within the soil they create these symbiotic relationships with the roots 
of the plants, and the right. pl- um, and the plants will feed them a small amounts of sugars and uh, like it's, it's called exudates that come out, and in return, the bacteria are able to go and take these elements from the from the from the rock from the from the soil, and they can tr- and they can make it available to your plants as and when they need it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in annual crops, it's not quite such a big thing, but then with tree crops or uh, perennial crops, so trees, bushes, those kind of things, that you have an even another, a whole other thing, which is these uh, mycorrhizal fungi. Okay, what's mycorrhizal? M- mycorrhizal, so myco is, uh, is uh, fungi, rhizal yeah. is roots. And so these mycorrhizal fungi, they they actually create associations with the plant roots, um, but so which can only go mm, about the same size as what you've got above the tree. If it's a tree, for what's above, you've got below. But the mycorrhizal, they will they will extend that into an, a giant network, and they've been and they've shown that through these um, the mycorrhizal fun- fungi, they can actually move water from hundreds of meters away they they can transport it across the the network and and water and other elements and go and f- and bring it to the plants to wow. the tree or whatever there's needed and uh this uh, th- uh, within the space uh, with uh, over a space of an enormous enormous amount of di- of uh and so basically without those then the trees were in many cases they just wouldn't be able to survive because a single tree on its own you know sometimes it's it's not able to find in that particular spot mm. uh the 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 nutrients that it needs or requires but these things are able to extend like create a kind of network and mm. so that's a living soil basically it's quite it's quite incredible sounds very in depth and very yeah yeah quite 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 a complex uh incredibly complex incredibly incredibly complex and like uh you know we uh, when i when i studied um winemaking uh we had a course on and i think probably even still now uh if you go to agricultural school uh you'll get a course on soil and they'll basically tell you what soil is um clay silt or sand in different uh, proportions and uh, within that you know you've got your topsoil and you know you've got your different layers and then you've got the, the bedrock and everything else but s- like soil life because I think it's been so ignored for so long mm. uh, it's hardly it's hardly at all been treated even even in agricultural school yeah. so now uh, now now it's just starting to come out um and uh is it and the, and the wonderful thing is you don't need to know everything to to be able to do it though mm. you know like you need to know that okay soil is living and so well, what do living things need they need to be fed so what's how can we feed it well that's that's the, that's the beginning of a very good question in the same way as how do we feed ourselves to keep ourselves healthy we need a balanced diet we need to eat the right amount not too much not too little um and the soil as well needs to be fed and uh and uh, and so that's uh for for those of you if you like when we talk about mulches always keeping the 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 soil covered um yeah using compost and all these kind of things there, there's there's re- and these are things which people were doing have been doing for you know for yeah. a long 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 time mm. and even if we weren't here there's the 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 earth will do it itself you know yeah <laughs> wow yeah um, tell us a bit about Plum Village. Well, 
Yeah, Plum and Village. What, what is Plum Village? What 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 is it? Plum Village is a uh, Zen Buddhist monastery in the Dordogne, uh, founded by Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a Vietnamese uh, monk. Um, he, I can't. I think he probably came over to Europe or to to the West in the seventies. Um, initially to plead for peace. Um, he, um, he, he, he spent, and he has spent his whole life basically pleading for peace. And, um, in the 1980s, he founded Plum Village, which was kind of the realization of a dream of his to create a community where monks and lay people could kind of live together, um, according to Buddhist principles and, um, and kind of cultivate harmony and peace, happiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I just spent uh, one year there. Um, I was very, very lucky to have been there during during confinement and everything, a monastic and lay community of uh, over 100 people. So we were, we were kind of a little bubble, mm. but uh, quite happy little bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, they have their own little farm, which is called the Happy Farm. Which is a bit <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's quite kind of you know, but like it is, <laughs> which is a uh, it's a productive farm. We've we've we produced a lot of vegetables this year, um, but also uh, a place of practice, and um, and that perfectly corresponded to me because uh when i uh, i kind of discovered permaculture roughly about the same time as i started to become interested in buddhism and what sort of age was that sorry what sort of age was that uh it's about 28 okay. um, so about five years ago and uh yeah i had the kind of the classic 28 year old uh, saturn returns <laughs> <laughs> but i made it through <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And um, and yes, I I kind of went off and uh, and started to, to went traveling, and I had this vague idea of kind of going to Asia and uh, and uh, learning more about uh, Buddhism. Ironically, actually, uh, before that, I was living in Bordeaux, so about an hour, an hour and a half from Plum Village. Yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> so I had to do the full circle. But um, but I, then I I also learned, um, discovered permaculture, and started uh, uh, learning working practicing in different places and realized for me that this is really like a solid uh embodiment it's it's the kind of right action uh right livelihood uh aspect of of buddhism so you know buddhism is not just about uh uh meditating and uh you know trying to attain some kind of wisdom insight peace etc concentration there's there's a very much a um you know what do you do with that afterwards um how do you li- how does that change the way you act you live your life and um so uh, for me those those two things just were were hand in hand mm. and uh Tiknat Han actually um uh, was always spoke about uh what he called in- engaged buddhism so I think, uh, and he's uh, Plum Village is also very involved with uh, many, still very involved with many different social movements, and uh, has a lot of um, 
activists come, especially from uh, Extinction Rebellion, but also many um, animal rights activists and things like this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a huge privilege to be able to spend a year in a monastery and uh, work on their farm at that particular time. But it's also, um, yeah, the the main thing that, that they will tell us, will teach us is that, yeah, so now, now what are you going to do with that? How so? How how is how how have you integrated what you learnt there, or how have you integrated Buddhism in, into your life? What what is what is what has Buddhism given you? Uh what's Buddhism given me? Actually, that, it's funny because really they will say, "Well, it's probably say it's like don't ask what Buddhism can give you. <laughs> ask what you can let go." Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what have I gotten from meditation? The it's moment, like what have I, yeah. the moment that came out of my mouth, I was like, "That's stupid." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. what have you taken from it yeah <laughs> i've got a whole load of baggage <laughs> um let me rephrase that how is it how is it how's it influenced how's it influenced how's it how how's influenced you as a person buddhism um like, and, and practicing and, and well i you probably have to ask the people around me i hope that it um i think what I what I can notice, and I, I hope the people my people close to me would say the same thing, is it's just allow me to give a little bit of space between me, um, what happens and the reaction, and it's not always enough space. So sometimes you know, <laughs> the reaction can occur. But you know, if um, if 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 something happens which you know is quite can there's certain st- and stuff always is happening which can be very triggering you know um with a with a with a practice with practice um and you know often the practice for me is just basically just just breathe <laughs> but it gives you that little bit of space where you can where rather than just being triggered and going straight into uh perhaps a conditioned reaction to uh whatever the the stimulus is you have that little moment where you can say "Mm, i'm i'm gonna i can choose now i can choose what i'm gonna do with this uh and that often hopefully you know you you you, especially when, when we talk about anger um yeah, you can avoid a whole lot of suffering in that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, 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 I think, I think, I think, often anger is is clouded some way in 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 that it's it's the it's the kind of direct um, kind of kind of emotional reaction. But mm. really, what's going on maybe is something different, like shame or guilt or embarrassment or you know something. But anger is just the, the quick fire let's yeah. go there because that's yeah the thing it's, it's a protecting mechanism Very as well so. yeah. yeah to protect from what i mean that really depends on from person to person but yeah it's got it's, anger has its place as well absolutely mm. um um and then i think the other thing and this is why i wanted to go and spend time uh on the farm plum village uh is that everything i i've kind of been talking about and uh, uh is about permaculture about all of these this complexity um is kind of pointing to uh what Thich Han calls uh this interbeing it's not just it's that we really inter are with all things um this is quite a complex 
kind of again a complex uh, kind of notion, but there is no separation between uh, about between you and me, and my food, um, and the cloud where you know which made the rain, which dropped down and 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 then nourished the food and which is now part of me, etc. You know these, and you know obviously we don't live day to day with that kind of awareness not all the time anyway but when we can have or, or if we have a small insight of that or at least a kind of like inkling that that might be the way uh again i think that 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 can really change the way you relate with your surroundings with other people but also with the earth itself um and you realize well i've realized anyway that um yeah like uh <laughs> it, 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 i'm if taking care of 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 the earth taking care of the people around me is taking care of myself in the same way taking care of myself uh if i want to go and spend a, a, a bit of time in the monastery or or just on my own is is taking care of of everyone else because i probably would be a bit less of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. Well, well from, from 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 what I understand, it is. It is. It is all about that kind of connectedness and that relationship and realizing that there isn't a separation. There is. There is just a a big circular web of, mm, mm. of things that that are relying on each other or are working with each other mm. and it's yeah i think it's about getting back to that and realizing what that is and how that's yeah definitely impacted uh, or how that's definitely yeah and um i think we all know it there deep down somewhere we just uh we're born into it in now into a world into a culture which is kind of yeah and in a kind of a bit of a state of uh, forget forgetfulness <laughs> to put it lightly <laughs> um but i think we all know that that is our true nature and um and at some point or another um you know we 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 come back to that so mm. perfect <laughs> thank you very much appreciate your time thank you I think the sun's on my side today I gotta lease a life, I feel okay Need to call around, get them all out Jump in the car and get on the way Cause there's love and there's strength in numbers They can try but they're never gonna run us Down, down Speak as loud, it's like we're on a come up Fifth gear but they're never gonna race us Down, down I'm alive on a high blue skies. There's nothing better. Hands up, we're on a ride. Hold tight, we're laughing together. Ooh, we light it up and ooh, we can't be stopped. And oh, can't hear us coming. Oh, take off and keep it running. Stop at the river.
oversight Crack them open, pass around the light Breathe it in and out, bring our gods down Yeah, this is ours for the day and the night Cause there's love and the strength in numbers They can try, but they're never gonna run us Down, down Speakers loud, it's like we're on a come up Fifth gear, but they're never gonna race us 